Welcome to the old bastard martini lunch. This is a show about advertising and design creatives with an audience of one, me. I'm Peter Morse. This is my show. Welcome back to me. I'm reclaiming my show. Uh, if you just started listening, you missed Naveen's attempt at stealing the show right out from under me, but uh, not so fast, lady. Uh, this show features recorded conversations between me and other ad pros and reckless creatives. Um, or are the conversations between me and other reckless pros and ad creatives? Uh, I don't know, you know, and that confusion will never be clearer than um, this next conversation. Uh, we've got John Clefcorn on the show. Big surprise, right? We uh, had a cancellation. I thought we wouldn't be able to record, uh, but I got a text from Ryan and he goes, I got someone. So I was, uh, it kept it a secret. Didn't know who it was going to be. And, uh, uh, I'm at the booth uh, waiting to drink. And the next thing I know, here you go. Uh, John shows up. So big surprise, completely unexpected. Do you know John? Of course you do. He's a living legend. He's a VP at Swanson Russell. He's uh, one of the creative directors. The guy's got all kinds of history and uh, experience. You never know what you're going to get out of him, but it's certainly going to be fun. So join us in our booth at the back as we share our drinks and our stories. What? You got to contribute right though oh, i do okay good i'm usually quiet because i'm I ryan holt is never quiet on this by the way i i find that hard to believe yeah the only reason he's right. quiet is right. from his distance, distance from, the from, the mic. from the mic or yeah. the glass to his mouth that's right, right. can't that's talk the, with uh, they go quick that's the problem uh-huh. you're trying to do we have like commercial breaks and stuff like that? Oh well, that'd be great if we had commercials, but we uh, can make one up. <laughs> you got one idea? Well, we probably could, don't you think, Glenn? I mean, come on. That's what we do. What do you got? Yeah. Well, what I'm selling. Um, we want to sell brake pads. Give me brake pads. Yeah. Brake pads. It's hard to stop buying them. I knew a guy. I knew a guy yeah. that was hooked on uh, brake fluid. Yeah. But he found it easy to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad I was actually recording. That was fantastic. So, welcome, John. That's all I got. So I'm done. No, you guys talk. Man, uh, uh, welcome. I'm I'm super excited to have you here. It was. uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I found it. Yeah. Essentially, do the clink for sound bites. Oh, that's a good clink. Nice one's, one's not enough uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. Uh, when uh, we had a cancellation and I wasn't sure if we'd even be able to do uh, the show, and then Ryan sent me a text and he said that he had you, and I was super excited. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to be the second best guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't scheduled. It's we like coming off the bench. We you know, can't, we can't put the best You're a guys on the schedule because for when the, the people that are scheduled fall out, we need an, a phenomenal back. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. thank you for that. But, yeah, uh, taking, yeah, it's next level is what uh-huh, this is. Uh-huh. We'll so. see about that. Yeah, I'm glad uh-huh. you were able to step in. I, and what did he do to just kind of convince you that 
Well, he didn't so do she, a lot. I was, I believe, I was walking through the hall and I answered, "Hey, John," <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and I said, "Hey," and he right. said, "Oh, you know, we got this show and I do this." I and somebody, somebody backed oh. out. And since somebody backed out, maybe you could do it, even though you're the second string guy, kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I said, "Well, I know I got to call my wife because well, sure. last night you got to call was, the boss." Yeah, I was out singing. I do music every Wednesday night, so I'm at uh, Charlie Cooper's house, and we do. Uh, uh, I write music. He plays a guitar. Yeah. And so every Wednesday, I'm gone from seven to ten. So okay. I didn't know if I was gonna like piss off the old lady. <laughs> yeah, two nights yeah, in a so, row. Yeah, so. Well, you don't drink when you record music, do you? Oh uh, yes. Forbid. Oh well, <laughs> not while, before yeah. and after yeah. then. Okay, to the, yes, both. Yeah. Nice. yeah, but not while we're singing because that'd be tough. Excellent. Oh, so no, it was great. It's great. It's just this would be fun. Hmm. All right. So since we haven't had you on the show, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your history. Like what? What you got, what yeah, who who you are, what you do, how you got into this thing. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I've had, answered this before, and I think one of the well, you always giving like a bullshit answer. Give us the real I, truth. I am gonna. Okay, good. Jeez, quit interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do here. <laughs> we talk. We talk. Yeah, I talk out of the top of me. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm in the position I'm in now because of the um, environment that I grew up in. So my dad was a poet. My dad was an English teacher. Um, in our bathroom, we had everything from Mad Magazine to the New Yorker. We had National Lampoon and the South Dakota State Forum Party <laughs> Edition or whatever the hell it was. So, and so I was introduced to a whole bunch of different stimulus, right? right, right. From a really young age. And, and not a lot of toilet paper, apparently. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an interesting upbringing because my dad was really open about all uh, things that were creative. Um, and I was introduced to a lot of stimulus, I mm -hmm. guess, in a way. Yeah. And I found it interesting. And it affected who I became, I believe, just because of that. Um, I knew, I mean, my mom has, like, buckets of shit that you did. When you're in school, you know, right. you pull shit out of it. Uh -huh. And there's like ads that I did in fourth and fifth grade, you oh, know, fantastic. like Royal Flush. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so were I they, was doing that when I was young. Were, so. they, were they real ads or were they like no, they're, parodies? No, they were parodies. They were fake. Yeah, it was yeah. probably from Mad Magazine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was That's why I was kind of wondering yeah, if it was yeah, like real exactly. or if you're kind of making a joke of it. But so. it could be. It could yeah. be a little ad. Look at the shit we got now. I mean, come on. <laughs> It wasn't like that far off. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. It wasn't digital, but it was, It was. you know, it well, was what it was. Yeah. So I think that influenced me a lot on the creative side to be interested in what other people wrote, what other people drew. I, I loved, I was also an artist, I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought well, sure. when I was younger. I mean, I did a lot of like, um, didn't take me long to figure out that yellow and and, and red tuned to orange, uh -huh. and uh, you can paint outside the lines and not, you know, be shot. You know, I mean, you, there's other things that, you know. So I was kind of on that side too. Um, I loved uh, pen and ink. I loved watercolors. I loved all that kind of stuff when I was young. So what, uh, as far as like um, a timeline, what was that as your age, and then the years of of that? Because I'm kind of curious in. Because I think you, what you're talking about is interesting to me because I think 
by the time my generation comes around, folks are talking about, you know, color theory and introducing kids to that, you know, a little bit earlier on, whereas I feel like in your situation, that's something you kind of had to figure out yourself for a while. I think you know? that's exactly right. It was, there was no color theory. Nobody taught me anything. It was just discovery. Right. That you could actually take crayons and mix them together and turn them to a different color or, or water colors or oils and things would change. And it became interesting. And uh, that you could do watercolor and just put down a little bit of ink, a little bit of watercolor. It made mm -hmm. it more beautiful than trying to you know, put too much down. Right. So it, I don't know if it was innate to the fact that to make something better, you need to do less sometimes, uh -huh. not more. I mean, the more time, I mean, I don't know, paintings I fucked up by going too far. Right. I don't know how much times I do lighting where my first draft sucks. Right. Right. And it's what you take away out of it. It's not what you add to it. It's what you eliminate that makes it better. Right. I mean, and so. That came to me innately through, I think, my dad. I don't know. I don't know, really. I don't. Right, right. But that's a, that's a really interesting thought. Like, uh, um, I was going to come back to it, but I'm, I'm going to just do it right now. So you're talking about watercolor. So obviously, just how you're talking about it, you've had experience with that. You know mm -hmm. that you start light and you layer and, and continue to, to build on that. And that's where you achieve... Just these washes and build, you know, vibrance and, and contrast. So right. You get that. So, but writing copy, you're saying like subtracting. So it's not like you send something. Somebody says, "Hey, we're selling." We'll take it back to brake pads. We're selling brake pads. Right. Um, give me some copy for that. So the watercolor version of that would be like buy brake pads, right? Right. The the next one. Let's let's. Jazz it up, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean. So, well, you know, but I, but I yeah. feel like copyright. What you're saying is, well, like, I, you throw a lot more at it, and you then can throw a whole shit about it and say Blake pads are made out of uh, I don't know graphite, and they hook to the Blake pads, and they hook to the disc, and therefore when you push the Blake, it, it stops your car and you're safe. Or you could say, stopping is just as important as going. Right, right. Think about it. Right. You know, so it's it's how do you get to that point where it's relevant right to somebody you don't have to say t and it's more difficult to do that yes. i believe yeah yeah you know i mean it's there's a whole bunch of quotes that would say uh sorry about the length of this letter but i didn't have time to write a postcard right right because if i did it takes me more time and to do that i have every every word i have to count for it a letter i can go on through you know and i that's why i have problems i think sometimes with uh the computer world, you know, when you have instant and it's so easy to go so deep. Whereas if you start with a pad and a pencil, you have to, everything you put down, you can cross off, you can define it down to what the essence is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a difficult time trying to write a blank page on an Excel sheet or on a right. Microsoft Word sheet. I mean, it's just a blank page and you're sitting through the computer and you uh, you know, and you can type it in, <laughs> and then you can save that and delete this, and you got different. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I all mean, kinds of variations of it. But to do it on paper, to start with, to mm -hmm. me, makes me have to think about okay, yeah, you got all these options, and now I can't look it up right away. And if I'm wrong, so what? We'll fix fix it later. You know, what I mean. I don't know. I'm old school, I guess, on that. But I, I think that's valuable because I know um, 
for one at uh, one time I was freelancing over at Swanson and there was a position open and I went and interviewed and I think it was you and Joe and um, how'd that go? <laughs> uh, not good, but mostly because of, uh, I'm just um, giving you shit. Um, like your guys' perspective, you're like, well, how do you guys, how do you work through a problem? You know, because right. for me, it was at that point, like I'm gonna jump on a computer and I'm just gonna start. Whereas you guys were like, no, like, and Brian, sorry, that was the, the other guy in the room. It's like, no, you like, I know from all you, it's it's like, let's step back and like think about that what's going to work and spend that time ahead of even stepping into you know putting that on the final the period yeah because, because yeah. more final i don't know how you would plan but exactly but no but i'm a big I, fan i would, of I that. would think yeah knowing you as a designer that you think through things a little you don't just automatically jump in and I, I like how you just insulted me there. So yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, I'm just interested. I mean, I only I'm only like 18 feet away from him, like, and, and I still don't know the goddamn answer. So that that says something right there. Right? I've gotten I've gotten to the point where like I every time I do get go to the computer first, I start kicking myself. But uh, that is a sadomasochist. The the, the, the the best process that I found, and I've even found myself doing this, like just just innately, is. Uh, as soon as you get a full understanding of what that brief is and what the key messaging is, just start running through scenarios in your head. It's like, okay, how do we talk about this? This is the thing we're trying to sell. What are all the factors? What are all the moving pieces? What are all the audiences? And then just trying to mentally build like, a common thread and, and, and just just trying to visualize that. And, and honestly, it starts with spitting out the most ridiculous, silly shit because mm -hmm. like, those are the ones that come to your mind first and sometimes sometimes you come back to them because there's something there and then sometimes it just helps you build off of them and get to the good stuff And but like, it all, it all starts in my head and a lot of the time like, just st stimulating wise, I got so much going on and with the amount of work that my workload is right now like, I have to Shut the door, turn the lights, just be quiet. Because if I if I'm distracted by anything, I, I can't focus on yeah. on, on the details and, and figuring out what the common thread is. Oh yeah. yeah, I got it figured out now. That's, yeah. what, the, that's what the stall is for. That's right. Clown world goes dry. Yeah, the bottle is still there. It's been two years. <laughs> Whatever. I feel like you and I put a dent in it before I left. Well, so. yeah, I've hit it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know you're walking by. Right? No. <laughs> I I always go yeah. in and tell him. Yeah. Oh, holds out. He's night, got a photo shoot. Right, where's, mm -hmm. the, where's the ground? Room? He's been replacing it with uh, with some cheap well, little, Canadian little, mist. It doesn't there. really matter to me because you know. <laughs> You can, I don't know, I'll go to 12 spring and drink in the middle of the day. It doesn't matter. Really. I mean, <laughs> you know? what the hell? It's a creative process. Right. Right? Little does anybody know that that bottle of Crown Royal is like 25 years old. Hey. Oh, man. Exactly. It was like a family heirloom. So, uh, drinking and and, uh, and advertising. Yeah. Or drinking and drugs and creativity. Yeah. Is also something that is like people that are creative usually have habits. Sure. This is the way it is. A lot of writers have, you know, alcoholism. My dad had alcoholism. But others, Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway. There you you go. got a whole bunch of them. Hanging, no, but Ernest Hemingway. I'm just saying. Uh, Bill. <laughs> so David Ogilvy, right. taking a couple of drinks of, uh, of of whiskey doesn't make me a better writer, but doesn't make me a worse one either, right? right. So right. I mean, I, I think part of that, and maybe you guys disagree. I I think that the industry that we're in the people's 
makeup, you're the, uh, who you are, you're prone to those types of things. Manic depressives, people are really high all the time, kind of go low. That creative process is pressure. There's lots of stuff that right. goes on. You can be the happiest guy in the world and then all of a sudden not be. Right. You know, and it's but it doesn't necessarily affect the output. I mean, sometimes it actually makes it better. I mean, it's just a, a way of, uh, I don't know, the creative gene, I think, is affected sometimes by the outside sources. But I feel, I feel like this is a reoccurring theme that we've brought up before a couple times. Briefly. Is this about Naveen's cocaine story? Well, no. there's a lot written about creativity and alcohol and drugs and creativity. And some of the, you know, it's, it's undeniable that... Yeah, I, I think it just stems back to the, uh, the creative person. Like, a creative person only gets to the, to the good creative space when they start to do a little bit of self-loathing. And to be in that space... Mm-hmm. Like, for me to make it tolerable to sometimes have a beer with well, like to make it a little better when you're in the worst worst spot. You guys are like bringing me down <laughs> in here. Oh, I'm bringing me down. That's, 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 down. we talked about it with Ben. We talked about it last time with Ben. It's yeah. like well, it's it's it's, it's 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 like history. I mean, not not to say everybody is that way, but yeah. it's part of the well, deal. I think. I don't th- know. Think maybe. about. Um, you're into music. You like music, right? You're I love music. I like oh. music all the time. All right. So, um, think about uh, some of your uh, favorite musicians, right? Right. And there are a lot of folks that um, that uh, experiment a little bit, you know, and have some alcohol or have some right. some drugs. And um, I can see, not that I necessarily want to follow in their footsteps, to because I feel like some people are going to, are on a path to self-destruction. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I do feel that there are other people that um, that are able to be more creative or lo- maybe maybe it's not even be creative. Maybe that creative is in there. It's just a matter of loosening up to you know kind of mm-hmm. kick that out. Because yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite bands from the '90s was the Cocktoo Twins, and they had an amazing album, Heaven or Las Vegas. And then they're like, we've got a lot of problems with drugs and alcohol. We're going to clean up the next album. It's like, it was good, but it's boring. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I feel like they lost that sort of creative edge. And which is horrible for me to be somehow advocating no, people need no. to, you know, uh, do not something. not advocating. It is, well, can you achieve it through exercise where you release those endorphins and you're happy and excited? And Plenty of people have done it. Yeah. It's, not, it's not inclusive. It's not like you have to indulge in things to be but I think percentage wise I think the people that go to the top have those issues I'm sorry I, mean, I do I think that's part of the makeup right. and that's why they're creative that's why they can think differently that's why they uh, maybe look at a problem and solve it a different way than somebody else it's like super logical and right. this is A, B, C I mean they throw logic out the window and take a different but, right exactly does that so let's say Alcohol or drugs, does that open the door to that creativity or does that, or is the person, the creative person say to themselves, maybe they're more receptive to the idea of alcohol and drugs? 
I'd say you know what I mean? second. I don't think I, alcohol and drugs are going to make somebody yeah, creative. I, I think but, I think well, that's what I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So it's like, I don't who, think that. Are they I drawn that, to that? Or I is think that, it's the people that are creative are drawn more to the alcohol. <laughs> like, I, I mean, think, I think they learned that the, the alcohol and drugs removes that that barrier for them to put that stuff out. There. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wrench in. Let's throw something else. We're tired of that. No, no, no. I'll, <laughs> um, so. Believe it or not, I've never had any trouble with a uh, creative, so that feels like me saying that, uh, you know, I don't need uh, dick pills or something. But um, I found the value of <laughs> drinking um, for sales and, because I didn't drink anything till probably like 32 to 35, somewhere along there. That's when you started drinking? Yeah. I'm making up for lost time here. Okay. <laughs> so, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get those gateway drugs like beer or whatever. I started drinking at like 18 or 17. I started my first 40 when I was 14. See, yeah, right in there, yeah. I was so, a 70s later. guy, though. I mean, so, in the 70s, that's normal. I mean, whatever. So I stayed away from it, but then after many meetings, so you'd meet with a client, you're meeting with them all day, hammering out details of projects, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're pretty hard-nosed bastards, and it's like, all right, a little bit of give and take. And then you go to the bar with them at five o'clock and they're like all right now let me tell you about why i'm being such a pain in the ass about this and suddenly have a couple drinks people are actually engaging and talking about like here's what i need from you to get over this hump because these are the people that i'm talking to and then as a creative i'm like all right hey that's cool like we can do that you need to understand kind of where we're coming from and suddenly there was a lot more you know, fluidity to the conversation. I realized, shit, business is being done. Yeah, after business being done at bars and on the golf course. Imagine yeah. that. I still yeah, haven't got I the mean, golf yeah. course thing, but well, definitely that's, the drink. that's a different so. level. Of yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. That's that's boss level. <laughs> but it's also true, I believe. You know. Yeah. I think people in the meeting room are trying to be, you know, politically correct and don't want to say something wrong and, mm-hmm. and business, you know. X over here, and if you really could say what you wanted to say, you'd be at the goddamn bar. Right. You know? I mean, right. I, I do believe that. Yeah, I think that's probably true not just for the art industry, but for lots of them. I yeah. mean, people, they, the clients have the same strings. They, they still have the same strings. You, mm-hmm. you got a boss, you got a marketing manager, you got somebody below, but they don't want to, you know, really stretch themselves at a meeting. Right. Not and- necessarily, but they will maybe tell you what I'm up against later when they have feel free to, to talk and that's you that I think a lot of uh, camaraderie or relationships and all that kind of stuff can happen after the official meeting right you know and right. that's, that's not true for all clients I mean I've had a bunch of clients in meetings that we knew each other it was awesome it was great you right. could talk right. to people you could say anything the hell you wanted but on the flip side there's other ones that not so much. Right. You wanted my tongue would bleed. I'd have blood coming down my chin, you know, <laughs> dripping into my onto my jeans because you can't really say, you know. Right. But that's part of the game. I mean, advertising's a game. I mean, it's a big game. I mean, that's what it is. It's a political game, and the people that play it well do well, and the right. people that don't, yeah. End up recording podcasts in their basement. <laughs> exactly. And that's why we're here tonight. Thank you. Let's get a refill here. Because I I want to talk a little bit about this concept of marketing and metrics. 
You guys... Sounds good to me. <laughs> you like immediately <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> Let's talk metrics. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Thank you, John Clefcorn, for stepping in on short notice. Uh, it really was an honor just visiting with him. He's, he's <laughs> When you first meet him, he's a pretty quiet and cantankerous old guy. Uh, but once you get to know him, he really warms up. I can't say enough good things about uh, the quality of his work. Um, look him up, you know, learn from the master. If you want to see more of his work or find out more about John, uh, you're not going to find him on social media. He's not a big uh, social media guy, so you're going to have to check out swansonrussell.com. Uh, he's kind of a big deal there. Did you enjoy the show? Then go to iTunes to rate, review, or subscribe. Um, there are over 20 episodes of the show that you can uh, uh, check out now. Or if you, you know, if you really like the show, you can always just uh, send us a bottle of uh, Navy Strength Plymouth. Uh, you know, just putting that out there. Uh, Christmas is coming up. I've been somewhat good. Uh, in the meantime, follow the show on Twitter at Bastard Martini or visit the website oldbastardmartinilunch.com. Until next time, have another martini. I know I will. Or play a few bars of a Billy Joel song with a gin-soaked harmonica. That's good too. 